Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 24. We've got Chris and Brian. Um, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about, call it applied basic rifle marksmanship, um, intermediate distance using barricades and things and stuff and other weird structure like objects that you think might give you a better shooting position or might not give you a better shooting position. Um, but we, we got an opportunity to play around with some stuff like that not too long ago. So here's some of our lessons learned, um, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, just to kind of, th- this is a follow-up to a, a, another training event that was two weeks prior um, where we did basic rifle marksmanship, um, standing, kneeling, and rice paddy prone or squatting or whatever you want to call it at 100 uh, 150 yards, 200 yards, 250 yards, and 300 yards. At 200 yards, we added sitting, uh, modified sitting, however you want to do it, and then we added prone at 300 as well. Um, just to kind of give guys a chance to get multiple reps to find a groove of how to get in a position, a stable position that works. Um, this night, we had, like Brian said, access to some barricades and some different props um, that you will often see in like PRS type matches and things of that nature. Um, that, that in theory would give the shooter an opportunity to maybe have a, a little more solid shooting position, um, you know, a, a, a modified rooftop, uh, a, a farm gate, um, some other welded together metal pieces that were slippery and not easy to utilize, uh, a wooden barricade setup that was probably a little more easy to utilize, uh, but some of these devices were specifically constructed so that sitting, kneeling, and standing weren't really the right height positions for most humanoids. Um, and then also a tank trap. Uh, if you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, when they come ashore, there's the big pieces of I-beam welded together that look like jacks, like kids would use, bouncy ball jacks. Um, one of those made out of four by fours. Um, and and, and the, the, the admonition to everyone at the beginning of this training day was to utilize this piece of equipment in some fashion to get a better shooting position. But if you're not finding it, then maybe you're better off to just go to kneeling or prone or something like that. And so in a number of cases, we found that lots of points of contact with the device made things good. And in other cases, we found that there weren't good ways to get lots of points of contact. So we'll talk a little bit about that and some of those positions, some of those structures and, and the things that we tripped over. But yeah. Yeah, we, we played around some with a 55-gallon <clears throat> blue polyethylene or high-density polyethylene barrel too. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you often find on a shooting range. Absolutely. So, so um, you know, we've, we, you've probably heard in the past people talk about it. I don't know if we've said this or not, but in general, the closer you get to the ground, the more stable your shooting position is. The closer you get to the ground, the less mobility you typically have. So there's a kind of a double-edged sword. As this, the intent of this training event was to, you know, not necessarily simulate, oh, this is the combats, but so much as let's find good positions that are out there in the real world that you might be able to utilize. Um, with that in mind is also the idea that if we're thinking of a real world type situation, then maybe dropping down to prone and giving up all your mobility is not such a good thing in every situation. Um, so, so bearing those things in mind. Um, your Mark One Mod Zero farm gate also replicates things like railings on buildings and stairwells and safety railings that you'll find out in public places on a regular basis and stuff like that. Um, They're slippery. And they're curved. And they're curved. And the evil geniuses who make them are thinking about not letting cows out. Um, Not good shooting positions. So they're all at the wrong height. Um, 
that specific barricade, I'm using a Bravo Company kinesthetic angled grip uh, for an M-Lock 4N from Bravo. Um, and you can pin the hook on the KAG against some of those tubular structures fairly well. And versus the last time we shot off those, when I did not have that, it made a significant difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to add real quick. We were shooting at a full-size um, Ipsic piece of steel. And then also at, a 12 by 18, yeah, smaller at, one. At 300 yards, um, the big one is effectively 6 MOA wide by 8 MOA tall, uh -huh. and the smaller one's 3 MOA wide by 4 MOA tall. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to put this in perspective. Yeah, the big target's a big target. Uh, the other thing we'll throw out there, um, we also were, were shooting through a varying uh, quarter to full value wind uh, anywhere from probably 15-ish to 25-ish miles an hour, maybe more than that, uh, gusting um, it, it, for, for the majority of the shooting night. And, and we'll come back to that later because it was kind of interesting to see everybody find their wind dope. Most everyone had a decent idea of their holdovers and were solid on that. Um, but to see everybody find their wind dope and then adjust appropriately, um, there were some things that popped up with that as well, uh, but the gist of it being adjusting to what you're feeling or what you're seeing um, was a big deal. And then remembering to adjust back when it goes away actually which, became an issue for some folks too. Which might actually be your follow-up shot. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So 300 yards, you know, a, a very generous target. Um, the smaller, the 12 by 18 silhouette, um, definitely a, a more difficult target to hit, but but a lot of hits on that plate as well, um, as everybody figured out how to get comfortable. Uh, we did a kind of a round robin thing. I think there were, what, five or six positions to shoot from? Yeah. Um, and we gave everybody 10, 15 minutes, 15 minutes? Yeah, like about somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes yeah. per position. Uh, we had two shooters per position. So a, a shooter and then a spotter. And the spotter wasn't so much on the impacts as it was on observing how people were getting in and out of positions. Yes and then trying to offer you know constructive feedback so that we could learn how to get into better positions um, with each kind of rep at that given position yeah so each shooter you know each shooter would get in position for their round and we would just run down the line um, then each shooter got two shots to make their hits um, I, I would say by and large most people were making their hits there were some folks yeah. that might have been you know split missed the first shot made the second one or made the second one or made the first one, rushed the second one, or made the hit on the big target and went for the little one and maybe had a miss or a hit there. Um, but I mean, I would say in general, it was better than 50% hits, even even with the wind, with the varying wind and everything else. Um, but but definitely, you know, good practice finding those positions. Um, so I mentioned getting low to the ground. Uh, we know that, you know, the lower to the ground, the more stable you are, but you give it mobility. Um, I think, you know, th that was, a significant takeaway that if you're steady on a knee kneeling, if you've got, you know, kneeling works for you, then great. Um, a couple of the guys were really digging squatting or rice patty prone two weeks ago and were able to apply that to some of the barricades because of the height issues with some of the shooting yeah. positions and rice patty pump prone for some of those guys with good ankle and hip mobility um, were able to get down in that position, settle in and make a really good shot where if they've been on a knee, they might have been less comfortable and a little bit wobbly um, or kneeling meant almost like a lunge kneeling, not a setup BRM kneeling where your glutes touching your heel and you're locked up. Um, but, but lower was definitely better, but we didn't have a lot of guys chasing down prone positions. 
um, because we're trying to maintain you know what would be actual field conditions and if you're out in high grass or out in the world getting down into prone can oftentimes occlude your target which is good because if the target can't see you it's hard for them to shoot at you um, but that wasn't the goal for the night so <clears throat> yeah I should add you know the guys that were going into that rice paddy prone a lot of times too were pushing forward and loading their rifle into yeah. whatever that support structure was yeah um, to put some tension on that and make it stable all the way through the recoil cycle of the gun. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and so so another thing to throw out with this, well, you know, um, shooting's an athletic endeavor. Um, be an athlete. Be flexible. Um, you know, if you do a little bit of PT here and there and can maintain some mobility and some strength, um, almost everyone said that if you had to muscle your way into a position, you probably weren't going to make the hit um, at 300. But if you had the mobility not necessarily the strength, but the mobility, the flexibility to get where you needed to be um, and could let your body settle into a natural position with some natural point of aim, then you weren't struggling to keep your dot or crosshairs where you wanted them. Um, you know, so get, get low to the ground, um, be an athlete, get off your butt and do some PT occasionally and maybe some stretching and stuff like that um, seemed to make a big difference. Um, anything to add to the athleticism or mobility, anything besides kettlebells rock? Yeah, kettlebells rock. Okay. Get them, use them. Yeah, do something. Move with them, do squats with them, hold them, carry them around. Um, get into a squatting position, holding a 35 or 53-pound kettlebell, um, and sit there for 30 seconds or a minute. Um, it, it does need things to loosen your body up and make it work. Um, so, yeah. So, low to the ground um, or stable. Uh, be athletic. Uh, points of contact. It seemed like we had a lot of guys really note that the more points of contact they had with something solid, obviously the less movement there was going to be as long as your structure you were using was stable, which became an issue with some of these devices. Um, the funky looking uh, tank trap dealio. We had a couple guys getting in some positions that were downright sexual. Um, there were some guys straddling four by fours and wrapping around things and stuff like that. And curiously enough, commented that those were some of the best positions other than getting in prone, crawling under it, mm -hmm. and getting in prone and using one of the legs for elevation and windage control. Um, if you wanted to stay mobile, you could literally lay down on one of the legs almost or take a knee and wrap the other leg over it and get into the device. It's not providing you any cover or very, very little, but you could get multiple points of contact. And if your hips aren't moving and if your shoulders aren't moving, um, that's a pretty stable position. So, you know, so we learned some things like that too. Lots of points of contact are a good thing if whatever you're shooting off of is not moving around. Yeah, and I would say, you know, generally when we think of basic rifle marksmanship positions, we're always looking for four points of contact on the rifle. Yes. So two hands, a shoulder, and a cheek weld. Yeah. Uh, in this case, with especially with that tank trap, it was possible to get seven, six, seven. Yeah. Um, not, not with the rifle, but but points of contact was, yeah, well, if you concluded yeah. parts of the device because we were running the forend off of a vertical-ish leg and running the magazine off of a leg that was going down at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, that's pushing you into six. Yeah, and then we're able to, you know, if we if we rock it kneeling or sitting or squatting or pumping yeah. the yeah. four by four position correctly, you know, we're able to get another elbow on a knee or on something else. Yeah. And it, it's just a super solid shooting position yeah. that you'd be able to maintain for a relatively long amount of time if you needed to. Absolutely, because in that position, I know I was a couple shooters, you know, when, when we were waiting, um, there were a couple different times where I was in position just trying to look at where the what the wind was doing downrange and get a visual on that for a solid minute at different times and perfectly comfortable. Yeah. Um, 
being able to one thing that we definitely saw and this was with AR pistols it was with it was with long guns uh, where people putting barrels and suppressors on the the implement um, which applies of course a torque to the barrel and yep. it's gonna push your point of impact well off of your point of aim yeah I know that in the military they teach you know they, they teach something like if you rest the barrel of your M4 on a barricade rather than the handguard, that it can push you off six to eight MOA, depending on how heavily you're leaning on the gun and stuff like that. Um, and at 300 yards, six to eight MOA is almost a for sure miss on anything other than a deuce and a half or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So we did see that. We saw some guys with misses who were trying to get back off of the device to get a good body position and didn't realize that maybe their muzzle device was resting on the barrel, like their muzzle brake was resting on the barrel rather than their forearm. Um, or like you said, with pistols, um, same kind of thing. Guys were maybe trying to use the end of the forend to push into something to kind of lock it, but didn't realize they were also making contact with the suppressor uh, or suppressor mount or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, and in those cases, we saw definite misses because of those positions and, and made corrections. So. And I would add, you know, as the shooter, it's hard to spot that on your own. Yeah. Um, because it feels like putting your the forend of the gun on whatever implement that is. Yeah. Um, but definitely something to be aware of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's something where you, you know, maybe some consistency of where you're putting your hands on the gun and just knowing how long that forend is. Um, one of the things that I experienced, um, again, I'll go back to the, the KAG, uh, BCM product. Um, I noticed in a couple different positions, specifically the rooftop. Previously, we'd shot off the rooftop and I had run a slick forend rifle um, and a 30 round mag because that's what I'd have. And the 30 round mag on the rooftop put me up high enough that I really couldn't do anything with the forend in a good position. The KAG adds an inch, inch and a half of elevation, maybe two inches, and I could use it in conjunction with the magazine and get a couple points of contact more on the roof and that made a huge difference as well. It just happened to work on that angle of roof. Had the roof been steeper or shallower, may not have. Yeah. Um, but, but again, uh, you know, happy, happy, happy stuff for that anyway. So. Yeah, another thing that seems to seem to work always was locking into corners. Yes. Um, so instead of being out in the middle of something, trying to get into a corner and then pull the, pull the forehand of the gun, you know, into that corner yep. um, and lock it down. Yeah, your comment you made um, in our little after action, um, the Vickers slings and some of the different slings out there afford you the ability to have almost like a shooter's tab, almost like a grip, a flexible grip. And I, you know, you had mentioned reaching around a vertical piece of uh, barricade and grabbing the tab and pulling the gun, the handguard up against it and really stabilizing things and locking it in. Um, never thought to do that. I've got a sling on my rifle. I don't necessarily need that tab. I could have just reached around and grabbed the sling. Yeah. Uh, but didn't do that in that case. But that was that was a nice little tidbit that I see being used in the future as well. Um, yeah, if you got a sling on your gun, which you should, uh, learn how to utilize it in some of these positions. I guarantee you the PRS shooters out there and the snipers out there, um, the guys who are trained, are looking for every advantage they can, and they use the heck out of their slings. That was probably something I didn't see a lot of our guys necessarily doing. Uh, we've got a couple guys that get wrapped up in the sling and use it, but the majority of them, don't they just chase good yeah. body position i think it's just because of a lack of experience using slings as a stabilizing device and maybe that's something we can work on down the road definitely so, yeah 
uh, as far as like optics and things, um, we were split pretty much 50-50 between red dots and people running some kind of magnified optic, be that an ACOG or a low power variable. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we had a couple guys who transitioned um, who were running dots two weeks ago and, and totally get the low power variable thing. Um, if you want to hear basically what sounds like an ad for a low power variable, you're listening to it. Um, the guys who had them, you have the option to turn it down low if you don't need it, if you don't want to see your wobble. You have the option to go somewhere in the middle and still not see as much wobble, but see more of the target. And then if you're locked down tight, you have the option to crank it up and really bring the target in close and pick your shot. So, I mean, you know, again, there's another knob to the low power variable. Um, similarly, but not the same for the ACOG. Um, the guys with the ACOG were slaying it because they could see a little better what was going on and they have some built-in aiming points. Um, the guys with the dots, me being one of them, um, struggled with chasing holds and not, and, and honestly, mental mistake, not a physical shooting mistake, purely a mental mistake, um, starting to lose that high hold because I'm dropping 14 or more inches at that distance and, and maybe even more than that, 16 inches at that distance with an 11.5-inch barrel. Um, and, and seeing, you know, where's my hold at and then not being as consistent. Um, the hold off on the wind, I didn't have a problem with. I was able to make that adjustment visually pretty easily. But at some point, I don't know, I just got lazy with my hold and had a string of misses that as soon as I got back up to where I was supposed to be. So the dot makes it a little bit harder when, versus having a legitimate hard visual reference inside the optic saying, hold here, dummy. Um, yeah. I, would, I would have liked to have had that for about 10 or 12 of those misses. Yeah, having the, the actual hold here, the mm -hmm. reference in the reticle made hitting that smaller plate almost boringly easy. Yeah. Um, towards the end of the evening. When the wind calmed down. Yeah. 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 The other thing, too, um, if you're running an optic where you have control over the illumination, um, use it. If you're running an optic where, you, where it's fiber optic and you don't have control over the illumination, you actually do. Bring duct tape to the range. Um, it should be in your shooting bag uh, or electrical tape or something like that and put over the fiber optic input to the optic. We had some guys that were seeing almost a bloom type factor. You couldn't see the target. Yeah. All you saw was the bloom yeah. on the reticle. Yeah, yeah. So the the I know the green reticle ACOG specifically, if, if it's got full light on it, um, and this was in, this was... Seven eight o'clock, you know, in the in the evening. I mean, you know, this was, but in, this time of June, year, yeah, so this time of year is a lot of daylight, light. yeah, um, and and partly cloudy conditions, but it was enough to make the reticle kind of occlude the target or cloud out the target, and and literally something as simple as a chunk of duct tape um, could have saved your day. And then there are some other cooler devices that utilize Velcro and things of that nature that allow you to adjust on the fly how much light you want coming in. So if you're running an ACOG or something like that or one of the AccuPoint type optics variables. Um, you know, definitely play with that in different conditions and see because it's, it's one of those things that just makes it a little bit harder and it doesn't need to be any harder. Yeah, I, mean, I actually had decent luck. I got to play with one of our friend's rifles with the, the ACOG when he was trying out my low power variable setup. Uh, I just put my hand over the fiber optic reticle because yeah. I was able to get locked in yeah. well enough with those structures that it was stable to, to take my support hand off the forend of the rifle. No. Uh, I could put it over top of the the ACOG, the fiber channel, yeah, and then you know be like, oh, there's the target. Exactly, got just not, enough not illumination it out. Yeah, on not the reticle, um, and then you know, make hits. Yeah, and you can still drive a little bit of vertical control on the weapon, and you can still drive a little bit of downforce on the weapon from there. Um, you know, so you definitely can can make a difference in that fashion. Um, a, a comment about 
running the gun without both hands on the gun or with in hands in suboptimal positions. Um, yeah, you're not C-clamping the gun when you do a pull, pull cue type hold on the forend, but that may be your best bet chasing down elevation restraints on different barricades and stuff like that. Um, I, I found myself using a pull cue type grip to pin the gun against something. And, and it, you know, yeah, you're not muscling the gun, but maybe that's better because you're not muscling the gun. Um, on barricades that were stable, that was a good way to go. Um, also, if you've ever seen um, your Mark One Mod Zero redneck pickup truck with the mud flaps with the lady in repose position, um, I found myself shooting over the barrel in that same position. Uh, my profile's not quite as alluring, um, but, but literally getting seat in a seated position, leaning over on one hand and then resting the forearm, not the suppressor, but resting the forearm of the gun over an irregular height item that just happened to be the right height. And even though I only had one hand, one shoulder, and one cheek on the gun, was able to make hits consistently in that position. So again, sometimes adapting to get your body stable will let the gun be stable if it's natural. Yeah. Yeah. So a little side note. Yeah. Another, um, just to point out, you guys that are running suppressors, um, once you start getting back further, um, suppressor shift and the repeatability of that suppressor shift becomes extremely important. Yep. Um, if you haven't gone out and tested and verified that you know taking your suppressor on and off the rifle won't change where you're going to hit, uh, highly encourage you to go do that. Uh, I would go do it probably on a half a dozen different days and you know, really make sure that your yeah. stuff is going to be locked down. Yeah, or pull the can on and off, etc. Um, most suppressors, whether they have it built into it or whether it's something you just utilize that's natively on the device, um, have some kind of index you can look at and see, okay, where's this thing mounting up? Most of them mount to about the same position, but it doesn't mean you're not still going to get a differential point of impact shift. Um, I'll give you an example too. With Surefire products, one of their big pushes has always been least amount of change of point of impact over point of aim with and without the suppressor of any can out there has been their marketing campaign for decades. Beyond that is also not only least amount of point of impact shift, but also point of impact shift to the exact same place, repeatability over and over and over again. Um, that's something that they've struggled with a little bit here and there. And when Barry Duke became the president of the suppressor division, he'd actually modified, he already had in mind a modification of the muzzle brakes to make it even more repeatable, but they do that exceptionally well. Um, we saw some other folks struggle with cans that aren't quite as repeatable. Um, I'll throw out an example, Silencer Co. Hybrid. It seems with certain muzzle, to, uh, with the ASR mount going on and off of a pistol, that it, when you put it on and crank it down, it's not necessarily going to go the same place it went the last time. Um, with a Gemtech Halo and the collar device, the collar device has an indexing notch that they generally tell you to point you know, in the 6 o'clock position. Um, if you get it in the six o'clock position, it's generally going to drop. You know, you're going to muzzle droop it or barrel droop. It's going to drop it into the same place generally, but it will shift a little bit. And you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware that if you need to take a precise, precise shot at distance, and you've had your can off the gun, you may not be responsible or prepared to take that shot based on that device. And you need to know it. You know, and and knowing it's the game to make that decision. So, so be aware of those things and test it. Get out and do it. Get out and do it. Yeah. Uh, I'd add, you know, we took advantage of the 300 yards that we got access to for this, um, partly to increase the challenge in marksmanship. Yeah. Um, just, you know, targets get smaller over distance mathematically. Yeah. Uh, and it let us play with the wind. 
um, if you don't have access to a 300 yard range you know we could have done honestly we could have done the same thing at 50 um, yeah. the wind would not have been as much in factor um, but if you're going to go shorter you know shoot this on a b8 target for score absolutely absolutely um, and there are numerous there are myriad and sundry reduced size targets that the military uses that you can go online and find for 25 and 50 yard zero setting and stuff like that that are simulated 300 500 yard targets so they're out there yeah you know the the big thing is just getting out doing it learning it um figuring out you know how to get in and out of the the kind of goofy positions you need to get into to work with yep you know structures and barricades and whatnot that you'd find in the real world um not just range props yeah and and a, a safety note on this as well um, when you start shooting at distance, Brian talked about angular standards. The target gets smaller, so does the backstop. Um, you know, so d don't don't be the guy who shows up at the range with an un unzeroed rifle and wants to go straight to two or three hundred yards, um, because you're potentially the guy getting the range shut down by launching around over the backstop. So don't 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 be that guy. Um, if you're going to do this kind of shooting, make sure that you as the shooter are capable of maintaining. You know, something like four MOA. You know, a four-inch group at hundred yards or a good two-inch group at fifty yards from a good rested position, even if that's prone. Um, you know, if, if your gun and your rifle combination won't won't shoot a fist-sized group at 50 yards for five or 10 shots, um, then, you know, you, you probably need some other things to work on first before you start chasing down two, three, four hundred or whatever shots, um, just purely from a safety and responsibility perspective. Make sure that you can do it, make sure the gun's set up to do it uh, before you go out and do this stuff so you're not destroying property, whether it's the ranges or not, so little quick safety note there yeah cool um, so takeaways um, get stable if that means low get get low but get stable um, be athletic get off your button go do something so you can get in these positions um, you may need to do it quickly someday um, so so be athletic uh, multiple points of contact uh, you know get get in contact with everything you can get in contact with that's not moving to settle things down um, basic rifle marksmanship standards basic rifle marksmanship tactics techniques and procedures get in good positions get a good grip on the gun have good natural body point of aim don't smash the hell out of the trigger fundamentals just fundamentals rocked it so yeah yep, yep, yep. Um, added to that you know the things that you got on your rifle uh, make them work for you yep so slings um hand stops yep Vertical grips, all that stuff can get used um, for more than just when you're standing up and down. Yep. And low power variables rock. Truth. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. Um, stop up, stop in and see us. Cap City Outfitters in Hilliard, Ohio. 4465 Cemetery Road, CapCityOutfitters.com. Yeah. Follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We're just at Cap City Outfitters on both of those. Thanks, guys.